Welcome back to the Christ Loving Wife Podcast. This is your host, Emily Stanton, and today I will be speaking to my single sisters. Marriage is hard, children is hard, getting old is hard, and singleness is hard. I applaud churches today, I applaud accounts, and I applaud women's studies that are dedicated to the encouragement of single women. There are some single women who enjoy their singleness, they feel called to God, they feel that they have the special ability and strength that Paul talks about to remain single for the kingdom, but that still doesn't mean it's not hard. There are a lot of difficulties that are easier when you have someone to walk through them with you in it. On the other hand, there are single sisters who are pleading and begging the Lord morning and night to give them a spouse, give them a family, give them a husband. So whichever boat you are in, and maybe you're even married, this you can most certainly listen to this as well, because if you are involved in an active body of believers, if you are involved in discipling women under you, you will certainly come across single women that you need to minister to. So in whatever season you are in, I do pray that the Lord would use this to impact you, to encourage you, and to maybe point you in the right direction of how you ought to view your singleness or how you ought to encourage somebody else in their singleness. To share a little something, if you follow me on my Christ Loving Wife page on Instagram, you'll see that I have published five books, and I actually have a little secret. I have another book that I have not shared on my platform. This is for a few reasons. One, I'm having some difficulties uh, getting the rights to the page on my new uh, married name, and my other reasoning for why I have not been diligent to get it (laughs) is because it was a very raw book. I wrote a book my senior year of high school, and I specifically wrote it to my three nieces at the time. My third niece was just born, and I had a desire and a heart to minister to them, to maybe pass along some type of wisdom of something I had been learning. And at the time in high school, I was single and longing for marriage, but also trying to discipline my mind to be okay if the Lord calls me to a life of singleness. I did not know what path the Lord was going to give me, and I was just praying for peace and contentment either way. So I wrote a book based off of my journals. Over the years of my high school, I was very raw and honest in my prayers, and I decided to pile those together to pass along to my nieces. My, I did not express to my family that I wanted it to be secret, and my sister Aaliyah ended up sharing it on Facebook and encouraging everyone to go buy it because in order for me to publish it, it automatically has to be uploaded to Amazon. And within that night, a number of family and friends and people in the church and town had bought it. I was filled with complete embarrassment and dread because I had shared, never in specific names, but I had shared specific feelings that I had had for people and the burden that that weighed on me and my hardness in being steadfast in truth and it's a really 
crazy feeling when you have all of your raw journals now for the world to see. I was never upset with my sister. It was my own fault for never vocalizing that I would like for it to be separate. But because of that, because of my sister doing that, then it was kind of that, okay, maybe I don't need to be embarrassed about writing all of my thoughts down. Maybe I could write books. Maybe that's something I could do. You know, I, I, maybe I can get past that beginning embarrassment. So because of my sister originally sharing that to Facebook, since then I have written five other books, now in my married name and <clears throat> to where other people can find it easier. But yeah, so that is a little bit of that story because later on I'm going to be reading three pages out of the book. It will be maybe a minute and a half read, but I wanted to open up with sharing that little story and share that excerpt later on here. But getting back to speaking to my single sisters, I am very thankful for when I was single, the married woman that came alongside me. I was very refreshed by my other single friends. It was encouraging to have women in the same season as me, but it was just as much encouraging being around married friends that were either my age or older than me. I think as a single woman, I was very afraid of feeling jealous if I were to hang around married couples. I was afraid that they would not think me mature enough. I was afraid that they would think me not experienced enough because I did not have a husband, so I wasn't experiencing the life and I wasn't experiencing adulthood. And I would sometimes be very intimidated to be around them. But the women that took me under their wing, the women that invested into me, had me over for dinner with their family, gave me an opportunity to see ahead of time of what it's like living life as a married woman. In that singleness, I was able to kind of evaluate what are things that I want to do, what are things I don't want to do. And I'm very thankful looking back for my sisters who invited me into their homes often, to the ladies in the church that invited me into their homes often. So I was able to do life alongside with them. To the married ladies that are listening to this, do not underestimate the necessity it is for you to have relationships with other single women. It is the way the Lord has designed it for his local body of believers to be filled with people of different seasons, of different ages, of different life experiences, so that they may spur one another on. I would encourage married women to ask their single sisters, what do you see in me as a wife? Because it's very easy as wives talking to wives to validate one another or to pity one another of, oh, I know how you feel. And sometimes some of the most sincere encouragement can come from a single sister who can point things out easier than maybe another married wife. And she can also remind you of the gift that you have of a husband and children. I think so often we can get into our little groups of people only in our season and pity each other, pity ourselves, and not even just bashing our families, but, oh, it's just a hassle, it's just difficult work. 
And that's okay in certain seasons to receive encouragement from sisters, to share with them the hardship you're going through and receive encouragement. But it is also good to have single sisters that can remind you, I'm praying for you. I know this is a hard season, but please enjoy it. This is a gift God has given you that he has not given to other people, other people who also long for it. So embrace it, cultivate it, grow it, and worship the Lord for it. So getting back to my single sisters, some encouragement I would give to you, some advice per se, It'd be one, it is okay to mourn. It is okay to grieve. Just because you are not in a season that you wish to be does not mean you cannot, in the same breath, be content and also grieve. You are content in the purposes and the will of God. You are content in that you will not be bitter. You will not grow angry or resentful. You are content in that you will not be jealous or envious. That's what contentment means. But it's also okay to be content and grieve. It's okay to pour your heart out before the Lord as, a, as an offering unto Him, beseeching Him and begging Him for her spouse, but to also trust your life unto the Lord. You can beg and beg and beg and trust Him at the same time. Might sound confusing, but you can do it. And in that, There is peace because you are found in his presence. There is joy and fulfillment because you are found in his presence. So I'd encourage you that if this is a difficult season, don't try and pass it off. Don't try and act like it's not hard. Don't try and bottle it up. I think a lot of times single women are pushed into doing that because... Many other women just belittle the feelings that single women can go through. And there is, even though you did not have it and lose it, there is a feeling of loss, a loss of missing out on something, a loss of not being able to do something. So it's okay to grieve. And, it, and the Bible shares and tells women, tells the church to mourn when the other mourns, to rejoice when the other rejoices. So seek out a sister in Christ to mourn with you. Seek out a mentor to walk through this season with you. The next thing I would encourage you to do is to rejoice and others rejoice. When one of your single friends gets a boyfriend, gets engaged, gets married, has children, practice rejoicing when others rejoice because that is what the Lord would have you to do and he will not bless you if you are not obedient. He will not bless you with a heart of peace if you are not obedient. You can still grieve in your heart in private when you see another person being able to experience something that you are longing for, but there is a time to grieve and a time to rejoice. There is a time for mourning and a time for dancing. There is a time for embracing and a time to refrain from embracing. Just read through Ecclesiastes 3. In that, the Lord also says that he will make everything beautiful in its time. Let me go to that passage really quick because there's actually a few verses surrounding that that I maybe would want to touch on. So when one of your friends is having a wedding or a bridal party or a baby shower, 
go to it. Don't, don't stay back because you worry about your jealousy. Don't let your sin conquer you. Rejoice with your sisters. Embrace the season that they are in and fellowship with them in it. Praise the Lord for it. Thank the Lord for the goodness and the grace that he has given your friend. <clears throat> Going on to Ecclesiastes 3, again, I would encourage you to read. Even this whole book would be a great season for someone in their singleness to go through as it reminds the reader over and over again that God has made everything beautiful in its time. There is a season for everything, a time for every matter under heaven. And other passages in Ecclesiastes, it talks about that he has seen everything that is done under the sun and it is all meaningless. Just to remind us that in every season that we're in, when we're in a difficult season or a season where we long for something else, to remember that this life is short and momentary and our life must be lived for the king, not for a marriage. Our life cannot be lived for the one day experience of having a husband. Our life must be lived day in and day out, marriage or no marriage, unto the king. So let me read 1 Corinthians 3. I will start at verse 9. It says, What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So I would encourage you, sisters, that in your singleness rejoice with the sisters who are rejoicing, that they may also mourn when you mourn. I would encourage you to remember that the Lord has made everything beautiful in his timing and he has put eternity in our hearts that we may eat and drink to the glory of God because he is worthy and his presence is worthy of our worship. Next, I would encourage you to get invested in groups with other singles. There is great encouragement in meeting with other ladies who are walking through the same season as you. Just as there is great encouragement in what I had shared earlier of meeting with other married women, coming alongside them, having dinner with them, being in their homes with their families, and seeing how it is done. It is equally good and encouragement to get invested in groups with other singles. And lastly, I would encourage you <clears throat> to be hospitable. To not just look in, but to look out. Find ways to be hospitable. If you're still living with your parents, and maybe it's not appropriate in the setting that you're in to invite somebody over to your house for dinner, say another family, that is okay. Cook dinner at your house, bring it to them. Maybe have dinner with them at their house with a meal that you have prepared. Or be invested into your church and being the woman that prepares meals for mothers that have just had children. Or prepare baked goods for, those, for the elderly and go visit with the elderly. There are a lot of opportunities that you can have as a single woman that you do not want to miss out on. Because when you are married, in 1 Corinthians 7, it talks about your focus is now on your husband. You cannot now, there, you're no longer able to have undivided attention for the Lord. Your focus is now divided. It is now for your husband. So in this season of singleness, 
take charge of it. Make the best use of the time that the Lord has given you. That is a huge theme throughout the Psalms and the scriptures of redeem the time. Make the best use of the time that God has given you. And Jim Elliott, a quote that he had shared, I could not recollect which book it was in that he had said it, but he said, do not let your longing slay the appetite of your living. Let me say that again. Do not let your longing slay the appetite of your living. That was a huge quote that got me through high school and college, was remembering that I cannot allow my longing for a boyfriend, for a fiance, for a husband, for children, for my own home. I cannot allow my longing for those things, though they are good. I cannot allow them to slay the appetite of my living. I cannot be so fixed on what I would want to happen that I'm no longer able to, able to embrace the season that I'm in, that I'm no longer able to have an appetite for living, have an appetite for serving, have an appetite for community. If that has slayed that appetite, then I have some serious repenting to do because that is not the way the Lord has designed a Christian to live. The Lord has designed a Christian to live with feasting and delighting in Him and His gifts that He has already given you. I would encourage you in seasons where I'm struggling with change or seasons where I'm struggling with wanting something different, every morning, first thing I do is I write 10 things I'm thankful for. And I'll do that every single morning for a period of time. It will train your affections to be thankful for what God has already given you. At this time, I'd like to read out of the book, which I had already shared, how I'd be reading from. I will go ahead and start. This journal was a prayer to encourage me to finish the race well and a dedication to both the Lord God and my future husband. I know not whom my beloved will one day be, but I know that God has him already chosen. The first stanza was a prayer to God that he may forgive me of my selfish actions and my carnal desires, and that I may walk blameless before him. The second stanza is a promise to my future husband that though I know him not, I will pray for him and purpose in my heart to save myself for him. May I truly be a virtuous bride in white before both God and my husband. The prize at the end of the race is well worth the wait. Then I go on to say, Temptations rise and fall. The forces of the evil one relentlessly preach at me to have proud, haughty eyes with a sweet, flirtatious, and cunning tongue. To seek out my prey of men and so fulfill my own selfish desires. But nay, I must stand firm. I have given my life of service to the kingdom of God. Indeed, truly, it is not my own. Thus, I must live holy and blameless until the glorious coming of our great King. Far be it from me to betray my God for selfish pleasures and worldly desires. Proverbs 31.30 Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Again, I go on to say, I will run the good race with perseverance. 
My beloved is waiting at the finish line. For you I will withhold all things until the Lord gives you unto me and I unto you. Blessing and honor unto his name, you, my beloved, are worth the wait. You, my beloved, are worthy of all of my love. I am yours and you are mine. Oh, how beautiful our one-day unity will be under the sweet blessing of the Almighty. Until that day, by God's grace, my burning love and desire shall remain asleep till the Lord awakens it. For you I will wait, and you only will I love. So I wrote that about a year, I'd say a year before I met my husband. I wrote it with the purpose of reminding myself in the first half that my life is for the kingdom of God. I cannot live it my own. I cannot sulk in my misery. I cannot pointlessly seek out the attention of men. It's not wrong for a single woman to try and put herself on another man's radar. That's not wrong at all. But it is wrong to make us feel validated in our beauty by just empty flattery and flirting with other men so we can get their attention. That is wrong. And that was what I was uh, disciplining and refining my mind to. Then the second half of that chapter was to purpose in my mind that though I know not who my future beloved is, I will pray for him. I will write to him in a manner that reminds me to wait for him. That reminds me that he will be worthy of the wait. The one whom I so long to love, though I know him not, I long to love a husband. And I will commit to respecting him now. I will commit to saving myself for him now. And that's not to say you cannot go on a date until you're absolutely sure this is the man you're going to marry. But it is a saving of our deepest affections, of our bodies, and of our souls that we would be committed to a pursuit of marriage and to not dwindle on the little flirty games and dating and attention-seeking and even fantasizing over other men. I want to read... Psalm 16, 5 through 11. This was another passage that was encouraging to me during my season of singleness. It says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One seek corruption. You make known to me the paths of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Single sisters, pray to the Lord in a way that reminds your heart and in a way that adorns your king with the words 
that proclaim, the Lord is my portion and my cup. In the Lord's presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. That before the Lord, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. I would encourage you to worship, to be content, and to be obedient to fellowship with other believers. I would encourage you to train your affections, to be thankful and glad in the presence of the Lord, to rejoice when your sisters rejoice. You may not always feel like it. I know that there were certainly times <laughs> when one of my friends got a fiance or got married and their attention was, as God's design, set towards their husband for a time. And... I had to choose to train my affections to rejoice when she rejoiced. I did not always do that perfect. There were certainly times where I wanted to have some space because I was jealous and did not always do that perfectly. But it's a training of the affections to rejoice when others rejoice, even when you don't feel like it. As for the desire to have a husband and the desire to be started in that direction there is the notion in a lot of Christian circles that the woman cannot lead the woman cannot initiate and while I agree with that I would even point to Genesis there was the whole struggle for humanity after that when Eve took the initiation and led Adam in taking of the first fruit. <laughs> I mean, like that starts from square one. Or even look at human anatomy. You know, man, is, for in sexual relations, man is the physical initiator and the woman is the receiver. There are so many ways in which through scripture and through the creation order and physical design that points constantly that man is to be the leader and the woman is to be the follower. I think we have to be careful though in how we play that into all the little details of courting and, and pursuing relationships. I think it can make Christian women think that they have to sit in the corner and wait for a man to come up start the conversation, start the dance, start everything. And I think you need to be careful with that. I think it can look like you're not interested. Some practical ways that my husband and I have talked about when recently I was asked by a lady, what are some advice, what, what, what is some advice that you would have? I, I want to have a relationship and be on someone's radar, but I don't want to initiate. And some things my husband and I discussed was invite him to group things. If you are thriving as a single woman, if you are not pitying yourself and just staying in your house all the time because you just feel sad that you don't have a relationship, then yeah, you're never going to get out there or find somebody. You need to be out investing with friends. You need to be out investing in your church, out investing in your community. 
And when you're doing that, you have opportunities to one, meet other single young men, and you also have opportunities to invite your single guy friends to come to the group with you. That is not wrong. That's not inviting him on a date. That's showing, hey, we're all about to have some fun, and I would enjoy it if you had fun with us. That's not wrong. Or it's not even wrong to go and sit next to him and have a conversation with him. I would exercise caution and don't do it in an obsessive way where you're going all of the time to him and never letting him have a conversation with other people. But it's not wrong at all if your friends are all at a table and you go up and sit down with him. I would encourage you against inviting him out one-on-one. That is a, a date, whether somebody wants to call it that or not. That it would be more forward and... Um, I think a lot of guys that want to be the godly leader would maybe be a little turned off by that. But there are so many little ways in which you can show him, I'm interested and I enjoy your company. I enjoy being around you. Being intentional to just say hi whenever you pass him. Or being intentional um, even on social media to make sure you're liking or... um, especially if he is sharing either in person or online godly content, that's a great stepping stone to talking about those things, to even see where are his beliefs at. Because before you enter a relationship, you want to have those beliefs kind of um, in line with each other to a certain extent. I'm sorry if you can hear all the baby grunts. (laughs) She's right by my mic. But, yeah, so it's, it's not wrong at all to be on someone's radar. It's not wrong at all to be going where you know he's going to be going, to be in the room that you know he's going to be in, to be at the um, church service that he's going to be at. Those things are not wrong. You don't want to obsess over it. You don't want to be so fixated on this guy that you have to be everywhere where he's going to be all the time, and you have to make sure you're on his radar You still need to be open because that might not be the man the Lord has for you and you don't want to be distracted from someone else the Lord may have from you and you also don't want to be um, so focused on it that he becomes your pursuit rather than God. This goes for every season. Okay, this is not just for singleness. This is why I would encourage single women to be so careful that they do not seek their fulfillment in finding a boyfriend because your husband will never be that fulfillment. Just as there's the temptation to find your fulfillment in a man when you're single, that same temptation is when you are married. I have struggled with this a lot the first year and a half we were married, of finding my fulfillment in will. Just as there is the opportunity for it to become a place of worship in your heart when you fixate your mind so much on wanting a specific guy that will become an idol and it can if you are not careful the same as when you're married my husband has very easily become an idol in my heart at times and that I want to please him in all things I want to do everything in my power to I don't know what I can't think of any specific example off the top of my head But the purpose is that he has become an idol and I have worshipped him wrongly at times. So it's good to put these things into practice as a single woman. So that way you can have the same tools for when you're married. Because there is nothing new under the sun. 
all sin is the same root heart issue and it needs to be addressed quickly in any in every season that you are in so i hope that this was encouraging to you i hope that it was maybe refining to your thoughts to remember how to think about your season of singleness i hope that it was refreshing and reminding you that there are other women that either have been in that season of singleness or that are in that season of singleness and they need the encouragement just the same i hope it was a encouragement to remind you that you can certainly be an encouragement to married women and they need you the church community needs the singles to be involved they do have a specific role that god has designed because We're all single for a time. We're not born married. So God has a specific purpose for singles in the church. And I would encourage you to rejoice when others rejoice, to ask others to mourn when you mourn, to be invested and to worship the Lord as you are content in his plans and in the lot he's apportioned for you. That you would be glad, that you would rejoice and find pleasures forevermore in his presence because he is worthy, sisters, and... May he have our delight and our fulfillment in him. So with that being said, I hope you have a good rest of your day or evening or whenever you're listening to this. And I look forward to talking again. Goodbye.